Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. It's happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. It's not my birthday. Nah, but it is our birthday. This marks the 10th episode that I, who is most definitely not Taya, and I, who is most definitely not Ben, have been talking about games on this recorded medium of a podcast. Well, yeah, I suppose that is a kind of birthday. Fair dues. And that's why, to honour the occasion, and because it's suitably thematic, I thought I'd read The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner in full. Why is it suitably thematic? Well, we'll get to that. <clears throat> it is an ancient mariner, and he stoppeth one of three. By the long grey beard and glittering eye, now wherefore stop us thou? Whoa, 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 whoa. Or what? Yeah, we're not doing that. Why be we not? Stop doing the voice. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. <laughs> we're not doing it because it's too long. I don't even think Coleridge reread it after he wrote it. Well, it's a bit long, sure, but not really. I'm sure the listeners are up for it. How many verses is in it? Uh, well... How many? 143. That's more verses than there are pages in Return of the Obradin, a catalogue of adventure and tragedy. Return of the Obradin? Never heard of it. What's that? That, my friend, is a segue. And this is, is Pixel, Pixel Vision. Vision. <laughs> So, what did you reckon? I bloody loved it, mate. Yes! I absolutely loved it. Yes! I was so excited to talk about this because <laughs> it was just such a novel experience, wasn't it? Mm, just a masterpiece, I thought. Like a little masterpiece of a game, for sure. Yeah. I mean, certainly, if not total masterpiece, because masterpiece implies perfection, I think, and I don't think it achieved that. But mm. I do think that it was extremely innovative, novel, well put together so good yeah go on quickly kick off so that people have an idea of what it is we're talking about give us your terminologues summarize the type of game etc so it's a puzzle deduction game i reckon which is all set aboard one 18th century ship called the obradin and it's kind of like a ghost ship so it's disappeared and suddenly reappeared at port and you're charged as i'm going to say like an insurance inspector to find out what happened to all 60 members of the crew, well, passengers and crew of the ship. Uh, and you do that using a, a kind of magic stopwatch, which allows you to see the moment at which, <laughs> you're laughing, at the moment at which each of those 60 crew members died. So all you're given is the ship's log and a manifest of all their names, and then lots of different options about how they could have died. Um, and then obviously the choice of who could have killed them. And yeah, and your goal is to deduce how each of the members died, what their name is and who they were killed by. Like a big game of Cluedo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They call it the player's, the character's fate, don't they? Yeah. And they often refer to characters as souls because yeah. they're all dead now. Yeah. The ship's log that Terry referenced there is a, it's, it's a book 135 pages long, mm. hence the little, uh, the little quip in our intro. And yeah, it's almost empty when you start. It's just got some sketches and a passenger manifest. And mm, a few little clues. It's, it's already divided into 10 chapters though, isn't it? So mm -hmm. it kind of gives you, a, and they've each got a title, like Escape or A Bitter Cold. Yeah, like the chapters of a book, right? 
Yeah, exactly. So you've got kind of a loose idea of thematically where the story's going mm. as it unfolds and before you start to unfold it. But one of the genius things about it was that it doesn't actually un unfold in chronological order and nor does it unfold fluidly. So there are massive jumps in time between mm. chapters, for instance, which is kind of visible from the map anyway, because when you're on the map, you can obviously see that you've traveled a long way. So it's obviously not going to take place over a space of 24 hours kind of thing. Yeah. Although it does run together a bit. Yeah. Like we'll get to how like difficult it is to piece together the story because I've actually really struggled with that. Yeah. The map was actually one of the aspects of the game, which I felt like was underused because in all other ways, like every bit of information that you're given, both through the sort of bare graphical style um like voices uh what what the characters look like the crew manifest the they're like their sketches in these like paintings of life aboard the obradin which you're given at the start of the book justice at sea yeah <laughs> all of those pieces of information act as um as essential clues in deducing the fate of each crew member and passenger but yeah the map which you reference i often looked at it and and was tr like trying to use it but never actually found it that useful i don't know if you did i would say that in fact it acts more as a red herring mm. because when you're trying to figure out the fates of certain people who you can't necessarily find aboard the ship you start to speculate that maybe they managed to get off the ship and so you start to look at that map and see where it was nearby and at what stage they got off the ship and obviously they're near sort of maybe, maybe they're near the Azores Islands or Canarias or whatever. Yeah. And as a consequence, you start yeah. towards the end of the game when you're guessing, you start thinking, well, maybe they, they got off and they survived and they're there. And then um, if you're anything like me, the truth clicks. And <laughs> yeah. You think you're an idiot and you realise the map has just been teasing you in the wrong direction the entire time we should stop there for a second and just say uh, for me the same as outer worlds this is just a spoiler episode because everything that we say is is gonna ruin to some extent your appreciation of the puzzle and deduction of this game so if, if you want to go into it pure i wouldn't listen to this well i don't know what do you think about that i think we could probably push spoilers a little bit more towards the end but i mean realistically you're probably only going to be listening for five to ten minutes before you start hearing us say it. spoiler alert but even then with like you talking about the maps i want to say some of the characters you sort of you hope that more people have escaped than they have but then actually a lot of them ones they just drowned <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah it's not just the map giving you a red herring it's also the way that the characters have died so when you first are deciding how a player dies you look down a kind of a list that the book gives you of optional deaths <laughs> maybe they were stabbed mm. maybe they were crushed maybe they were strangled maybe they fell overboard or were shot etc mm. and you have to um, attribute each of those things to either some sort of event or more specifically, an individual on board the ship. Yeah. And a couple of those deaths, when you read them, you're kind of waiting for them to happen. And they never... Really yeah, happen. for sure. Like expired of old age. You're like, oh, surely someone on the ship's got to have expired of old age. Yeah. Or, um, or poisoned. Or poisoned. You're like, yeah, someone's getting poisoned in this game. Because when you see the list, it's really detailed. Yeah. And the same is there's the option to, um, as well as choosing a specific person. So, for instance second mate william nichols did this <laughs> or that dodgy geezer harry 
Brennan or whatever his yeah. name is, um, instead of choosing <laughs> specific people, you can say foreign enemy did this, or you can mm. say unknown mate did this or unknown steward mm. and i thought that there were literally extra passengers who were unknown and not listed in the manifest and they were kind of diluting it so it would become even trickier it's like not only is it probably that steward but it might be the unknown one yeah it took me ages to realize that that isn't what was happening and actually it was like maybe you've realized it's a steward but you're not sure which one so you can put unknown steward for mm. now <laughs> and the game even hints towards that um in one of the deaths which you don't get to catalog so for, for each of the chapters in the book there's a body to start off with on the ship which like triggers that chapter and then you go through that chapter and find different bodies within it so they're not all on the ship to begin with you kind of find them through these these freeze frames yeah they all overlap mm. They sort of link together. And you might do the chapters in different orders. Like the end one is the one you're most likely to do first because it's in the captain's quarters on the top deck of the ship just as you get on. But you could easily turn right and like go downstairs and go right down below, in which case you could get to the first chapter first. But the reason I said that is because the one that starts that one off says something like an unknown stowaway perished among the barrels or whatever. And and you don't and like he is That's from the chapter Loose Cargo. Yeah. And and he isn't listed, so he is unknown, but like you say, like maybe he was responsible for someone's death. Like you're not really sure, are you? No, exactly, yeah. So do you think that in the Manif in the log. What are we calling it? A manifest, a log, a ledger, <laughs> any ye olde archaic word for a tome of some description. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, we should call it a, a ledger, really, because it's it's the record for the insurance company. Yeah, that's its purpose, isn't it? And at the end of the game, it does fulfil that purpose when you've mm. guessed all the fates, or not guessed but deduced a little bit of both. Mm. Uh, the ledger kind of formalizes and gets set into print and then it will you can sort of scroll through and see exactly how much each character got or was deducted from their salary as a result of their behavior yeah. by the insurance company let's talk about that part at the end though because that is i mean that is literally the end yeah, of the yeah end. okay <laughs> we'll backtrack in a couple of steps then um so it's by lucas pope who did papers please mm. uh which a game I didn't particularly love. Teo did absolutely love. Yeah, so but good. one thing I would say is similar about both these games is that evocative sense of place um, mm. with the sound effects and the soundtrack. And it's pretty amazing that Lucas Pope does all of that stuff himself. So he does the music himself as well. Yeah, it's amazing. That is amazing. I didn't realise that until the credits at the end. I knew he was the game designer and I knew he would have scripted it and probably coded it. But I didn't realise he did all the music and sound effects and everything like that. Yeah, I was going to say exactly the same thing. Like I leave, after I played one of his games, I just think this guy's a genius. It would be amazing to be able to create a game by yourself like that. I'm always impressed when people make games by themselves. Like Concerned Ape, I think it is, the person that made Stardew Valley. It's like an amazing feat, but there's a sort of artistry to Lucas Pope's games, which I don't know, I haven't really seen, I haven't really seen that before. Like that that auteur style with just one person yeah there's definitely a distinct style because even though they're very different games there are enough similarities that 
playing them you might think this is actually a little bit similar <laughs> especially with the music i thought the music was really distinctive but yeah also the start, like this is much more of a pu- papers please was like halfway between a puzzle and halfway between a simulation game so like you're working as this passport inspector but then the the puzzle or not exactly deduction but you're collecting the people's stories that are coming in or like the different storylines so there's like 50 different storylines or whatever that you can complete and see but the road to get there is like seriously arduous and for most players like just too repetitive and and boring yeah. so you only ever see a, a few of them whereas this is like oh yeah like there's 60 stories fates to reveal but you will actually see all of them because like it's stripped down that's like the point of the game yeah and also once you have identified one corpse or we should say that not all corpses are corpses some of them are maybe just a bit of dismembered Mm. flesh or a skull or where someone previously was before they died Mm. or where they ended up often as well Mm. so say for instance you find a body that's been wrapped in bandages or not bandages some sort of cloth swaddling cloth (laughs) Mm. that they're gonna dump overboard so say you find that, what will happen is when you get your little stopwatch out, your little compass, definitely not a stopwatch, that wouldn't be thematic at all. <laughs> your little compass comes out, a skull appears, you dive into the world of that corpse and what happens is this white sort of spirit flies around and guides you to where the corpse actually died. And those places are often not in the same area, so you might have to change deck or move between rooms. But it's always a bit comedic when it is in the same area and the corpse is <laughs> literally next door to where it died. And the, the little spirit flies around half the ship in this really showy fashion before returning to exactly where it started. Yeah, that is. I always thought the spirit was quite funny. Did you notice, this might have just been me imagining it, but sometimes I stood still as I was waiting for the spirit and it was almost like it stopped. It was like waiting for me to watch it before it got moving to its thing yeah did you ever get that feeling it definitely did stop yeah 100 <laughs> percent. you had to, you had to follow the spirit yeah. as it led you otherwise it would be like come on guys catch up yeah <laughs> just loiter in the air yeah agreed that takes out of the fluidity somewhat but at the same time i imagine it gives the game opportunity to load or something like that yeah, well i mean just in case you missed it i guess like and you can't find the corpse although they glow white as well yeah they do glow white as well and you get like part of the ledger which you're filling out when you look at the map of the ship which is like a cross section of each deck it has all the locations of the corpses on there the ui is the ui (laughs) tell them spending too much time in tech can't you what do you call that in games? I don't know. It is pretty either the UI or the heads up display, isn't it? The HUD. Yeah, essentially your investigator's interface is really cool how it interconnects. So you've got that like etching of all the people and then you click on the person and then you can say like see on the map and then it will go to the map and you can track exactly which chapters they were in and when they last disappeared. It was really pleasing how easy it was to navigate those memories. Yeah, definitely. One exception. And it shows you um, your footsteps as well. Mm. So you always know where you are on a map. So for instance, let's say you're in one of these scenes for want of a better word (laughs) although we will get to that and you're kind of seeing what happens unfold and you think oh I didn't notice that that guy was in that little room before 
I wonder what room that is. You can load up the map and it will show you your footsteps on the map. So you know exactly where you are on the deck and then you can infer which room that person is in based on your proximity to it, which is at times very, 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 very useful. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because like you'll see someone coming out of a out of their cabin and obviously m most of the crew on an 18th century ship like this will just be lying in their hammocks but even their hammocks have little numbers on which you can use to like cross-reference with the um the crew manifest but yeah like i said yeah that moment when you realize that the numbers cross-reference with the manifest yeah. it took me ages because the problem with the manifest well it's not a problem it's it's great is that it's a numbered list, but that means that, you know, when you first see the numbers, you don't think they carry any weight. You just think this is a numbered list sure, yeah. uh, it's, until I saw the numbers on the hammocks and was like, what the hell do they correspond to? And it was that moment. And I'd already played the game for hours by this point that I was like, what? They connect. <laughs> it's like little moments like that make you feel like you've absolutely just caught a lead in your case <laughs> yeah yeah like this one's gonna sound really obvious but the person in the picture who's like leaning on the ship's wheel like it kept saying this guy should be really easy for me to guess because it gives you like three arrows three arrows means that like you haven't got many clues and one means that it's like you should be getting this and it was one arrow and i was like i've no idea who this guy is like what's he doing i haven't seen him do anything significant and then i was like oh yeah he's he's driving the ship he's obviously the helmsman <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's i had the exact idiot. same thing mate the exact <laughs> same thing <laughs> We kind of referenced it loosely and probably by now listeners will have seen some coverage of the game which will give you that visual representation but the whole thing is this sort of pixelated how would you describe it just a sort of pixelated sepia tone isn't it yeah like a drawing but a pixel drawing yeah not pixel art though no that's why that's why i was trying to be careful yeah, because yeah. it's too easy to be like oh yeah it's sort of 16-bit or 8-bit color or whatever. but i don't know what i'm saying i mean like no listeners will probably get this reference but what it reminded me was of was um those 18th century etchings by william hogarth so like you get these sort of like black and white etchings with like loads of people in the streets it reminded me of those but like just a bit pixelated <laughs> it's a niche reference that's very funny that you said that because so Tay and i had talked a little bit about the fact that in pretty much every episode i've given some ridiculous analogy about something oh yeah or Tao has <laughs> and we decided they're usually very everyday and mundane so they're, they're now the banalogy yeah the banalogy. <laughs> banal analogy i've got my term on log and you've got your banalogy i love it <laughs> <laughs> oh, banal allergy but ben banal analogy oh yeah i've said it yeah times. <laughs> i think they got it <laughs> uh anyway i was thinking that this is kind of like studying a really old archaic tapestry like the bayer tapestry and trying to piece together who every character depicted in it is mm. so because you're presented with a series of scenes and like a little snatch of unattributed dialogue and then just a 3d picture to explore mm. obviously a tapestry isn't 3d but in the sense that you're only ever seeing still scenes but because of the sound effects and because of the dialogue you are often lulled into this false impression that actually you are watching a cutscene. Mm. that's why i picked up on the word scene earlier because we talk about cutscenes, but it's not really cutscenes. it's a static image yeah, that yeah, yeah. just has this incredible sense of motion and movement to it mm. all because 
of the way he's done the sound design and the way he's done the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like the dialogue happens uh, on a black screen. So you see the words come up, the conversation in real time between the characters that you're about to see. And then you see the freeze frame image, which is the scene. And the dialogue is taking place before that moment. Mm. It's a scene plus a freeze frame or like an audio scene plus freeze frame in that order. But didn't you find that in your head you thought of it as a moving scene? Yeah. Like I'd often be walking through it thinking, oh yeah, and then he throws the thing over there and then he catches it over here and then that person's carrying the gun and like all of these are active verbs, but at no point were were they moving. <laughs> Definitely. Like one of the most memorable ones is the scene which you actually have in, in the painting at the, at the start of the book where someone's being, it's not court-martialed, is it, on a ship? But someone's being like sentenced to death anyway for a crime on board the ship. As captain of this ship and by the authority of the East India Company and thus the crown of England, I sentence you to death by firing line. And so you've got the four seamen holding rifles shooting them and the person hanging being shot and you can see the, the bullet lines. And there's four bullets from four guns, but only one of them has hit the person that's being executed. And obviously that person is then the person that killed that member of the crew, yeah. um, which is so cool. And like you say, like it feels like it's in, in motion because of that deduction that you're doing in your head. It's like that scene in The Wire. It's like a really famous scene. Most people will know it where they're like looking at all the bullet holes in the kitchen and they're both like, fuck, 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 fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Motherfucker. In that example we just gave of people throwing things or like maybe they've thrown a gun so previously you knew who it was who was carrying the gun mm. or how they got the gun from somewhere and you start to in your head piece together a trail of events and what you really need to do is find the start of that trail of events for instance in the gun situation like who gave him the gun because when you figured that out you figured out whoever is the uh, gunner of the ship or yeah yeah is that right oh speaking of words though man alive man alive there are men alive in here i love the kind of naval setting and uh just everything about a sea shipping setting. Yeah. I love it. I love the terminology and the jargon and the accents and the sort of rustic, rugged nature of being on board the ship. But I often just don't have a broad enough vocabulary to actually understand it. So I didn't know what an all-op deck was. And it took me ages to realise that there's a glossary in yeah, the ledger. The glossary. <laughs> Which, though, when I looked up all-op deck, has a conflicting definition. So uh. the sort of general definition that I found online was the lowest deck of a ship with more than three decks, basically. Mm-hmm. But in the game, it's the mid deck the lowest deck is the cargo deck yeah so i'm not sure whether that's just because the cargo deck isn't generally thought of as a deck it's thought of as like a hold like Mm. cargo hold maybe or whether that's just a contradiction i'm not sure Mm. but yeah so i didn't realize that and i ended up wikipediaing loads of words uh, and especially uh ship roles so i knew what it was that actually people were meant to be doing like the bosun is the one that i think's Sticks out as yeah. being the most confusing. Like, what the hell's a bosun? <laughs> Which is short for boatswain, apparently. Yeah, boatswain. I actually... Uh, 
I can't remember if I saw that in the book or somewhere else, but yeah, I feel like I've heard of that more than I have of Boson. But even then, I wouldn't be able to tell you what they did. Yeah, and the same with Stuart. Like, I kind of guessed that Stuart would be kind of an assistant, but I wasn't totally sure. And so it was helpful to look up their kind of duties and responsibilities, to be clear. But you end up being able to work it out by the people there hanging out with like so i mean the most obvious example of this is that you've got four or maybe even five officers on the boat and each of them has a bait so you've got like the first officer's mate the second officer's mate etc they're not called officers are they they are officers but they're all just called mates yeah so the first mate's steward is it yeah exactly yeah okay so you've got the first mate steward the second mate steward and like throughout the ship you'll see them following them around or like they'll often be together they'll come as a pair and that's um that's a theme throughout the game is that things or because we didn't even mention to get to know if your deduction has been right for someone's fate you have to deduce three people's fates correctly and then you get this great little sound effect which is like boom and so every time you're guessing, like you're just waiting for that um, that sound effect, like so much. And when it happens, you're like, yes, <laughs> three more fates, correct. <laughs> but yeah, like I was saying, uh, they come in twos and threes quite often. So for instance, like three people might try and escape from the boat. And then you'll know that probably the, the same fate applies to all three, if you're able to guess it. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of generous or in that. Or a similar fate. Or a similar fate. So I think it's quite generous in that way. Mm, I've got to say, I didn't... I realised that they were kind of coming along in groups. So often you'd see the same groups of people. I didn't necessarily think that they often died in the same way. Mm. For me, there were like some particularly tricky ones. And others, I thought, ah yeah i know what's happened to these three so i can like clump them together as one but there were some like particularly tricky ones in there but it could have been like but there was the potential for like 60 completely unique fates and then it would have been nails wouldn't it (laughs) yeah well i think the game isn't although it asks you to be specific i think it's also a little bit generous in how it does it Mm -hmm. so i think you can put a couple of things like if a giant beast for instance rips one of them Mm. overboard you could either say that they're like strangled by the giant beast or that they fell overboard yeah like spiked by a terrible beast or speared by a terrible beast seem to be pretty much interchangeable yeah yeah exactly 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 (laughs) on what you just said before i loved that when you first guess someone and you think oh yeah i'm pretty confident about this and you put it in expecting the game to say yeah well done instead it just says this may or may not be correct yeah (laughs) it's just as soon as that happened i just kind of got a bit excited like there's a brilliant (laughs) like sense of self-doubt that that introduces um and i thought i'm really sure that that's what happened but am i really sure like am i 100 percent confident Mm. I especially had that towards the end when you'd think it gets easier and easier. And to an extent, it does get easier and easier, certainly with guessing the people's names. But it's also less, there's less chance for you to confirm the difficult ones because there are no easy ones anymore. There are no easy fates to guess. And there are a few semen which I was like, oh, like I ended up trying so many different combinations. And I was like, I'm sure it's right, but why hasn't it been... um, why hasn't it been confirmed yet? Like I just got three and the one I thought for sure was correct hasn't been um, hasn't been confirmed, which means it can't be correct. But 
maybe it's just chosen a different three, but then that can't be possible. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I, I, I was full of self-doubt like throughout the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly the same the whole way through. See, that's where I think that it fell just short of perfection in that I would have liked to have, when you solve the fates, when you solve exactly how someone dies, I would like for you to know that you did that off your own back that you a shrewd your shrewd detective work led you to that answer but in some instances especially as you say towards the end of the game i really felt like it was mostly just a bit of educated guesswork and i kind of thought well it's one of these three people and i'm pretty sure this is the fate in terms of how they died i'll try a few of these and then you hope for that black screen all the time mm-hmm. and a little word like three more correct well done yeah yeah like i won't lie like the the final one when i was on well two of the fates are locked until you get the first 58 and they're kind of like they're a bonus couple of fates for completing the book because once you've seen the whole story you can hand the book in uncompleted i found that really disconcerting that was another area where i wish the game had been a bit clearer in that the story kind of finished but you, i wasn't sure if it had finished because I'd seen literally everything there was to see, or just I'd finished those overlapping cutscenes. Mm. Because whereas normally you find a corpse, and then while you're within that corpse, it leads to another one, and while you're within that one, it leads to another one. And then when you come out, you wander the ship again, and you find something else. That obviously doesn't happen when you've finally completed every corpse, when you've finally found everything there is to find and your pages are full, Mm. which isn't necessarily obvious that you filled every single page, I don't think. Although in hindsight, speaking about it out loud, maybe it is. (laughs) But when I was wandering around the ship, I thought, Han, have I definitely done everything? And your little guy who brings you out to the ship in the first place on this little rowing boat says, um, Oi! Get in there somewhere! Storm's coming! Finish your business and climb down here! Come on, there's a storm coming. So, wrap up what you need to do and let's go. And I thought, well, all right, I'll go. <laughs> and then when I got to him, he said... Don't keep him waiting. But just to be aware, though, you're not coming back when you leave. Storm's nearly about, so we won't be coming back. If you're still business here, climb up and finish it. Else I'll make to port. And I thought, oh shit, well hang on then, how am I going to solve all these puzzles? And so then I went back on the ship, but it's obviously there is a storm coming. I was thinking, is the storm going to hit? Am I up against the clock now? Like, I don't know, it just introduced this element where I thought it wasn't very clear. Because there's a chapter that they leave secret as well. Hmm. A chapter called The Bargain goes hidden throughout, which means that a couple of players' fates you can't determine either Hmm. until you've left the ship. And I wasn't sure if that was going to be unlocked at a certain point on board the ship or after a certain number of guesses or whether that chapter's unlocked when you leave. And as a result, I, even when I had all of the fates I could get or near enough, mm. I still felt uncomfortable leaving the ship. And it was only when the game gave me a notification saying, you have done everything you can on board the ship that I realized I was safe to go. Mm. It's just one of those things I just wish it... Everything else is so intuitive and learning it is so straightforward and simple and natural that when that happened, I just kind of got thrown off balance and thought, should I be going? Can I keep guessing when I've left the boat? Mm. For me, it worked. It worked because that last chapter, The Bargain, I thought the same as you. I maybe had like 54 fates left to do. Yeah, so I I was missing four and, and I was really struggling with them. So I thought, ah, well... 
maybe once I leave, this last little chapter will be um, revealed and the information in that chapter will give me what I need to do those other last four fates as well. And I thought, well, you know, like that's a possibility. So I went off the ship. But then you're given one of the two endings. But without leaving the ship before you've completed the book, you'd never see that other ending. So it's almost like the game allows you both endings because then it goes back to the start screen and you're able to just reset. It's not like you've lost anything. Yeah, but you don't know that when you're playing the game because you're totally right. And that, you know, everything you just said is 100% accurate. But I finished the game the first time with 51 fates. Mm. I felt like I was really close. I just couldn't see the solutions to the remaining extra ones. And so I just got off the boat and thought, oh, well, the game will explain it is what i thought mm. and so i got off the boat and got the abandoned ship achievement and it assumed that the game would explain it but no you you really have to solve the puzzle <laughs> to actually deserve the complete picture i guess but the game does allow you to hit rewind literally a rewind button that lets you jump back onto the ship but you mm. don't know that before you leave the ship so it's an agonizing decision yeah like, do i leave the ship i ended That's up great. photographing my entire ledger so that just in case i had to start again i at least That's wouldn't classic. have to repeat that's so you that is so something you do the um but that but that's great like that's what i want from games is to has to have that feeling of like uh real um jeopardy yeah jeopardy that there's a real decision to make and like it's so cool that you have that feeling in a game which is just like an interactive book and like a bunch of puzzles that you feel invested in, in it in that way i don't know it's just amazing the, the amount of feeling he, he gets into decisions like that. And like when you discover the fates as well. Yeah. How does he manage to get such weight? <laughs> such weight of feeling into his games. I think the sound design's got a big part to do with it. But I think also whatever it is encourages you to take a sort of pride in your work. Oh, it does. That's quite interesting because it's not an, an emotion you experience playing a lot of mm. games. But as I was doing this... I want it to be precise. That's why I was a little bit disappointed with those extra kind of guest ones because I felt like everything else I'd been so careful and I'd really understood how and why this thing happened. And often it took me a really long time and revisiting memories tons of times. But when I got there, I felt such a sense of satisfaction. Like, yeah, I know what happened to this. And that's why on those few where it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't really work. But there, there's a few other ways that the game helps you. So in addition to the pictures where you can obviously get an, a physical representation of what people look like and you might notice things like one character's got a tattoo on his arm mm. there's another which who's called miss jane bird and the fact that she's called miss is kind of a little clue that she's younger <laughs> well no she doesn't have a wedding ring oh well okay yeah you went one step further than me i just thought one looks <laughs> a bit older than the other one <laughs> yeah nice. she doesn't have a wedding that's, ring. that's sick though but also you can sort of determine broadly people's ethnicity mm. oh you definitely and can. obviously their costume or not costume what's the their uniform <laughs> in fact there was one ethnicity wise which which was just like revealed some unconscious bias right from right from the off with me is the carpenter and the carpenter's mate and the carpenter's black and the carpenter's mate is white. But you're like 18th century, surely the black guy is the carpenter's assistant, not the actual carpenter. But it's not, it's switched around. 
Oh, but that's not an unconscious bias. That was very conscious. You thought, yeah. given the era, this is <laughs> yeah, but probably... I lit- okay, yeah, not unconscious, but I, li- I literally just couldn't believe it. I was like, it's got to be the Carpenters. It's got to be the Carpenters. It took me ages to be like, oh, wait, wait a sec. <laughs> Maybe these guys' roles are reversed. <laughs> Come on, boss. No, get there. Hey, cats! It will give you accents as well. Yeah. The dialogue will say something like, Oh, no. <laughs> and you'll think, right, that guy's Scottish. <laughs> or another one says, Signor Nichols, is it you? <laughs> and you're like, okay, he's the Italian. Do you know what I mean? Like these things where the game's a little bit heavy handed with its stereotyping, but in a kind of playful way. I didn't, I didn't ever feel, it was more in sort of Boulder's Gate, time for a bit of rough and tumble. Like this is all fun and games rather than any malicious stereotyping yeah i mean like the ones that i remember was that i think there's two austrian crew members and they both have these ridiculous hats on it is isn't it it's the bosun and the gunner i think are both austrian <laughs> oh my god i didn't associate the hats with their nationality i just assumed that was because of the roles they're both wearing these stupid hats and I, I don't know well, maybe i'm wrong but i just thought oh yeah those stupid austrian hats i don't i don't know anything about austria or the hats <laughs> Apologies to our Austrian (laughs) listeners. (laughs) The views do not represent Pixel Vision as an (laughs) organisation. In different ways as well, like going into the game, you have no idea about naval outfits or what different classes of crew members would wear. But then clearly after a while, you're like, well, the stewards are all wearing this certain kind of top. So it must be a steward. Like, I'm fairly confident it's got to be a steward given who they're hanging out with and what they're wearing. Yeah. A little bit less with, like, the top men and the seamen. There's more variation. Or they're just more, there's lots of them and they're kind of the same. Yeah, that was another example of a role clicking for me is that... So there's one scene in particular where you're up among the rigging between the masts. Hmm. There are a number of characters there. And when I first entered that scene, I guess just because I was immersed in what was unfolding, I didn't really think... Oh, yeah, so everyone in this scene is obviously a top man because mm. they're all up the mast yeah, and yeah, the rigging. Yeah. Like, that didn't occur to me straight away. It was only when I went back to it and I'd kind of been thinking about what their roles and responsibilities were that I made that deduction. Mm. Maybe that's just because I'm not very quick on the uptake. <laughs> The other thing I was going to say is that because of the pixelated art style that we discussed, some of those nuances aren't always that clear. So, for instance, one of the characters is dark. I assume more of them are dark skinned, but one character in particular. And I didn't notice that on my first playthrough. And I think that was one of the kind of leading clues as to who it was. And what I did is I changed the filter Mm. because you can change the filter mode. And it just subtly changes the colour. It's quite cool, actually. Yeah, it is. Initially, I was a bit confused and assumed it was a game setting because it says filter and then next to it, it says Macintosh. And I was playing on a Mac, so I was like, well, yeah, that's that's right then. I'll just stay on that. And it was only when I started clicking through, you can play with other kind of ye olde computers. <laughs> and um, once you start doing it, then it changes the look and the aesthetic of the game very slightly. It's mostly colouring mm. and, and lighting and shading and that kind of stuff. But when it was a bit more black and white and 
monochromatic rather than sepia then skin color became more evident i felt anyway yeah yeah uh, i did exactly the same thing i can't remember exactly why i think it was more to do with shadows when i changed it like there was something in quite a lot of shade and i couldn't really make it out and changing to one of the green or the blue the more green or blue settings um just helped me be like okay yeah that's a knife there or something i think it was you said that's a knife there the most frustration i had for in terms of finding a fate for someone was there's a guy who's had his uh actually there's one guy with like an arm missing or something Mm -hmm. um or he he doesn't even have an arm missing it's just a bit it looks kind of bloody and he's he's chatting and he's talking to everyone and i was thinking when did this happen and i kept like looking in the previous scene and he was fine and he'd been carried there as well and i was thinking how like what specifically happened to this guy Mm. and that was one that really annoyed me and another one was a guy whose leg had been hacked off Mm. and i wasn't sure how it had been hacked off i knew who'd done it but i wasn't sure if they'd done it with an axe or with a sword or with a um with or actually at first i thought it was cannibalism because the captain starts saying like what madness is this 20 years my steward had never a doubt on your sanity explain yourself I thought maybe this guy's gone absolutely crazy and he's just hacked off his leg and started eating it or something. And I would have liked to have seen, given that cannibalism was an option Mm. (laughs) and expired of old age was an option, I would have loved to have seen just blood loss because these people were evidently very alive in the scenes that the game tells me they're dying in. So many times I wanted to be like, he bled out. He he died of blood loss, but then like you need to be more specific than that. We haven't really mentioned it, but there's lots of supernatural happenings in the game. And so like one person on a ship just deciding to suddenly like eat someone's leg wouldn't make much sense out of context but in the context of the story of this particular ship the Obradin, it kind of would like you can believe it because there's all sorts of like creatures and beasts and strange goings on isn't there yeah one of the main plot turns i guess is around this epic storm Mm. where this kraken attacks the ship Mm. which is amazing the way he realizes the kraken is incredible and obviously it's responsible for sort of tearing people apart throwing them overboard strangling them setting off a cannon someone's like crushed by a cannon someone else is shot by a cannon like all these things that you think like why would this be happening on board a ship but the kraken explains all yeah like i don't know at what point because that's in the chapter the doom and i don't know at what point you found that chapter but I'd straight away gone for the captain's quarters and it's and I knew a little bit about the game and what, what it was gonna be about with these freeze frames. So I went through that and I thought, oh yeah, like this is cool, like but it's quite straightforward and normal. And then you go into that scene and it's like it's, it's so epic with all the tentacles going down and this raging music. Right, I say raging music. <laughs> I said to one of, I know what you mean. I said to one of my friends, is this is this what they partied to in the eighteenth century? But I don't think it is. interesting little tidbit the the kraken their etymology so it's from like the scandinavian languages uh-huh. modern scandinavian languages meaning unhealthy animal or something twisted and there's a parallel apparently 
with the English words crook and crank. Is there something so cracker, crook, crank? Oh. So in a way, when you call someone a crook, you're really equating them with a giant sea beast. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Layers. Always layers. <laughs> <laughs> we should talk about the story because it's interesting in its absence, I think. Or no, it's interesting because you know it's there, but actually piecing together gather the story is a complete footnote in the game itself like you want to discover each of the fates as this kind of insurance inspector and as like a gamer doing the puzzles and although the the story sometimes helps you get those fates you're never like like if you asked me to well i don't know in fact i was going to ask you like were you clear on what happened to the ship i know the fate of each individual but i have no idea about the story of the ship really no i guess i've got a broad idea of what happened in part aided by what i know to be the chronology of events because of the chapters Mm. and by their titles which also gives you an indication yeah but that i was definitely a bit murky around all of the what was going on with the shell yeah what the hell's that shell about (laughs) By the way, on that shell, when they first introduce the shell into the game, there's a moment when this guy goes, <laughs> We talk about the shell. Very dangerous. Shell? What shell? And the way, the way he says it made me absolutely lol. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I just said lol on a podcast. <laughs> That's really embarrassing. Um, but yeah, really, it just made me Love. think of that many, many men. From 10,000 BC, which is this terrible film that me and Tara watched with some friends years ago. And we must have ruined the cinema experience for everyone else there because... Oh man, that was a bad film though. It was an awful film, yeah. But we just couldn't stop laughing throughout. And it was a similar moment. Mm. You talk about Shev, very dangerous. Yeah, it's because it's when when you double down on... I don't know. In a game where the clues are sparse and you're doubling down on what people's accents sound like in order to get them. Oh, 100%. Yeah, they're really yeah. emphasised. Like, they're playing big time into the stereotypes. Yeah, but that's what I meant before when I said it's it's in a playful way. It's not in a it's not in a malicious way. Mm. Uh, yeah, and to be honest, like, accents aside, you might imagine in the 18th century an English ship just being filled with English people. Do you know what I mean? But actually, like... I guess the reality was quite different. Like the diversity on the ship is insane. Like some people from so many different cultures and stuff going on there. Like, yeah, I had to look up the Republic of Formosa. Yeah. Cause I wasn't sure what Formosa was, which is also a little bit embarrassing, I suppose. Cause I feel like I ought to have known. Yeah. I didn't know either. It's a proper mountain pot, which is, I don't know. It's just, just quite cool to see that little slice of history that you might not be aware of otherwise. So for the listener, if you're as ignorant as we were, <laughs> the Republic of Formosa was a short lived Republic that existed on the island of taiwan in 1895 it was eventually given to japan or ceded to them but now it's part of china i think could be wrong nice i thought i thought the language sounded a little bit japanese yeah in terms of story then i agree i know what you mean it's really hard to fill in the specific details and the specific blanks and it's another reason i wouldn't give it quite the masterpiece moniker because it wasn't just that I didn't really know what was going on in the story. It's that it just seemed a bit random. It was like, what kind of things happen at sea? Um, sea monsters, people mutinying, and people trying to escape, and people getting seasick. And all of those things happen. And it's not really clear why or how, but there's a magical shell that probably is 
a lot to do with it. Mm. That's kind of it. And actually, I felt like the chapter that I alluded to previously that remains hidden throughout and you kind of unlock by completing everyone else's fates just didn't seem worth hiding. When it got revealed, I just thought, well, this, this isn't a massive revelation. I'm not like, wow, I can't believe that heart-stopping twist no way instead i was just kind of like why did they hide this this didn't really add anything uh, i kind of already deduced that the captain was up to no good in the hold don't know i i definitely hadn't deduced that he was like capturing kind of disgusting mermaid sirens in the lazarette and then was like killing them to stop them from calling the kraken which was attacking the ship no no, no but i well i didn't see it as being necessarily that like I didn't see him as capturing them to do that. I think they attacked the ship and he threw them in the hold. And then I assume he's desperate thinking, how can we stop this Kraken attacking the ship? Uh, These sea monsters must have brought it here. I'll tell them to get rid of it. Mm. There's a desperation to the captain, though, throughout the whole game, which I like. I did want to know more, but... I, it's because he starts by shooting his wife's brother and then himself. That's why there's a desperation to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Oh, man, yeah. Imagine the responsibility of that ship would, would take its toll, wouldn't it? <laughs> One disaster after another. Yeah. But no, in, in terms of the story, I almost came to the same conclusion as you and thought, ah, it's a bit of a shame that I don't actually know the narrative of this ship from start to end like it was an actual story. All I know is each individual crew member's fate. But then I thought, that's the point. As your character, that's all you're interested in. And as the player, all you're interested in is that deduction puzzle. That's not true as the player, though. That's true as the character. But as the player, we are interested in the story, aren't we? I'm not sure. I'm not sure you are. Like, I, well, I think I'm telling fun you I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> Take it from me, Teo. <laughs> the but, but I don't know. I, it's like a crossword clue. Sorry, I'm, I'm maybe stealing your like analogy mantle. <laughs> Go for it. But I'm covered up with it on the spot. It's like a crossword clue. You don't really care about the information contained with that crossword. You're not like, oh, that's an interesting word for that. You're just glad that you got the clue and then you're on to the next clue. You're not like interested in the content of the answer. You're interested in getting the answer, I think. Is that not true? I don't know. I disagree because when I got the Obra done achievement at the end, so when you've got all 60 fates, you get a little achievement called Obra done. If that wasn't very, very clear. <laughs> I just thought, oh, it's, that's everything. Like I've literally finished the whole game and I still have so many questions. and I still don't really know. I'm not totally clear on exactly what happened and why. And my reaction was one of disappointment, not of hmm. lingering awe, if you know what I mean. Hmm. So I don't agree with you that you're there just for the deductions. Because I'd got the deductions by that point and I wanted more from the game. And that's why I was hmm. disappointed with the extra chapter as well. Because there's only... I'm not even sure there are any fates. Maybe there's one fate. Oh, yeah, no, there, 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 there are two yeah. fates in that. That By that point, you've kind of nearly figured out actually no you haven't but they're not especially shocking or revealing and i just thought "Eh, feels a bit flat i don't really know why he hid it it was more of actually i do know why he hid it he hid it because it made it harder (laughs) to make all the other deductions (laughs) but it didn't seem that what he was doing in that scene was was worth hiding any more than any of the other scenes Mm. like you could easily have hidden another chapter and when it was revealed, it would still have thought like, oh yeah, I didn't necessarily know exactly what was going on in it, but that's interesting. 
Mm. You seem unconvinced. That's fair. Uh, no, no, no. I think I do think it's a fair point. Just for me, because the the deductions were what spurred you on throughout the whole game. The story it was just it was just a footnote. It was just window dressing to be able to complete the deductions and nothing more. And maybe that makes it a worse game, but I don't know. For me, it just that little bit of story made it an amazing puzzle. If you know what I mean, rather than like the puzzle did not support the story, the story just like facilitated the puzzle. Yeah, okay, that's that's definitely true, hundred percent. And what an incredible puzzle! Like I don't want to end mm. on a downer because, like I say, absolutely loved it. Such a just a creative experience. Basically, it was mainly just it just felt like it existed to sow confusion rather than to tell a story. Like if you read that story in a book, you'd be like, "This is shit." this is stupid <laughs> wouldn't you if you saw that unfold in a film you'd think like what this doesn't make any sense just a bit crazy yeah but that's... And that, by virtue of the medium you expect that a little bit okay well it's it's a bit silly and it's playful and i'm i want these supernatural things to happen and that's all fine but i, I would have liked it to have been a bit more cohesive mm. yeah but you are like how cohesive can a story be when every scene someone dies that's the craziest story ever like that's the that's that's probably one of the reasons why it, why it seems so crazy is because in every scene someone dies yeah <laughs> and like no and no story is like that or no like good story anyway <laughs> kill bill or something they were so ready to kill each other back then man alive the number of deaths in that that seemed so unnecessary Someone sees someone doing something, kill him. Someone sees someone else doing something, club him. It's like any excuse to kill someone. Oh, I forget. You killed my brother. What? That was an accident. The robes. It wasn't his fault. I saw the whole thing. Nice. Oh, I shouldn't have waited so long. No, don't. It reminded me um, just in its detective nature. Because I haven't really... Put, I think this is one of the best, if not Ooh. the best, detective style game I've played. Which is a funny mm. thing to say after playing Disco Elysium, but that was a very different kind of detection. Yeah. In terms of straight up piecing clues together, I'd say this is right up there with uh, Rockstar's L.A. Noire. Ah, uh, never played it. And I'd actually say I prefer it because it's just a bit more immersive and a bit more convincing. It's almost like, because it's not trying for reality, it's able to achieve its aims a little bit more simply. Eleanor is famous for having like absolutely wild facial animations, isn't it? Where like people's smiles go like, like all over the place, because they've tried, <laughs> that like before they were really able to, to do it properly, they were trying to get the player to be able to read people's facial expressions through the graphics. Yeah. So they've like hammed up like eyebrows being raised and stuff like that. Yeah, you had to gauge if someone was lying or not, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, it was a cool game feels like a long time ago now the thing is like i don't think this is a genre that's particularly filled you know no, i think there's a lot of room for exploration within this genre further mm. i'd love to see more detective games like this actually i mean maybe it'll turn out that there are tons and we'll have listeners writing to us saying what about this and what about this but yeah no i haven't played i haven't played many either going back to the story the game doing what it's supposed to in the puzzle and like 
you know, like you said, in the it makes sense in the game that your character is only interested in these fates, but you as a player, you're interested in the story. That's true, and it doesn't quite do the alignment of like game mechanics and theme as well as Papers, Please did. Papers, Please was an oppressive game, and you felt oppressed playing it. Like everything about it was oppressive when you get your like small amount of wages for the day and it's not enough to pay your heating bills and all your family are ill and then you trudge to the next day and you're stamping passports just so so well put together like feeling and mechanic at the same time this wasn't quite at the same level as that i didn't think no maybe not but for a point and click adventure where you're an insurance broker or not broker where you're an insurance auditor it's pretty damn compelling Oh yeah, definitely. He's certainly reaching for the same level of connection there between what you're doing in the game and how you feel about it, for sure. Yeah. And also, I do think it's evocative of its place and, and scene. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, it absolutely is. It absolutely Did you see is. that Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson movie, which is fairly recently out, black and white? Maybe that was another reason that I found it a parallel to it. Called The Lighthouse? No, I've heard of it, though. I was kind of spoofing Willem Dafoe's accent when I did the poem in the beginning oh, yeah. because he speaks the whole way through like oh yeah what's going on now he's always <laughs> got it it's, you know like, a proper uh, piratey accent which is also a bit west country <laughs> <laughs> how long have we been on this rock five weeks two days help me to recollect i'd have liked to have seen some pirates <laughs> Yeah, I mean, didn't you say the story was chaotic enough? You'd have added a pirate's exclamation mark chapter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going down the stereotyping route, which he very much was, then uh, maybe, could have. I definitely could have, because you mentioned that one scene when you're up in the rigging, which is so cool. Like, it's amazing to be on top when you've been on the decks the whole time, suddenly, in the middle of the storm. But... Uh, yeah, it's really cool when they swing between ropes and stuff in, uh, in in ships in the olden days. I'd love to have spent more time in the rigging. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to be able to climb up to the crow's nest. That's always the first thing I do when I get on a ship in a computer game, not in real life. And there'd have been shark attacks and whaling, Moby Dick style. <laughs> yeah, it did. I mean, it, I guess it's because maybe Moby Dick's 19th century, actually. But it did remind me of books like that. Like, it remind, actually reminded me of, like, Heart of Darkness as well. No, no, Moby Dick's set about 40 years after this. Is it? This is 1807, right? And I'm pretty sure Moby Dick is set around 1850s, I think. Yeah, it's because that book is so heavy on the details of what's going on on the ship, like, in a quite a boring way. <laughs> I found a lot of the <laughs> Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Agreed. it just reminded me of that and it also reminded me of heart of darkness even though heart of darkness is on the riverboat i don't know in the kind of like horrorness of it and the like a bit of the unknown in some fantastic really game. good <laughs> oh what's he gonna do next i never thought i'd be a lucas pope fan jesus after playing papers please i honestly was on such a downer about this not him but about his style and the kind of games he made and uh, yeah, now playing this, I'm like, wow, what's next? Also, how inspiring is it that this guy can achieve this? And he's a young guy. I've looked him up. He doesn't look like a sort of mm. old, weathered man who's had a lifetime of experience. He looks like a young guy with a lot of get up and go and spark who's managed to just learn what he needs to learn and create great games with it. Yeah. Really encouraging. So inspiring. I totally agree. I wanted to mention the uh, the bell sound 
from the soundtrack. I love that ship's bell, that beating ship's bell, and it's like the ship's bell when you click on the dock in Age of Empires. It's really distinctive. It goes like ding, ding, ding. Anyway, I got obsessed with that bell. I've listened to that track like over and over and over again. I've got a friend staying with me at the moment, and he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> anyway, yeah. So next game is going to be Astronia. Astronia? Astronia. Uh, Astronia. Astronia, I reckon. Weird name, actually. Now I think about it. It's a very weird name, because there's already a word for what he's trying to do, and it's astronaut. No, no, it's, it's like pioneer, but in space, isn't it? All right, like a pioneering astronaut is an astronaut. Yeah. Okay, an yeah, astronaut. all right, actually. Granted. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. That's a sandbox adventure game developed by System Era Softworks, apparently. Came out of early access last year. Mm, yeah, it looks cool. Uh, is it corporate of all? Are we going to be able to play a little bit of it together? I don't really know. Not sure. I thought it was like crafting survival in space. Yeah, I, I'm imagining it very much as being like a sort of subnautica light. Mm. and in space mm. and we haven't done a crafting game yet have we don't think so don't think so i I love the crafting so yeah i'm uh, looking forward to this but i'm not sure sh- well let's not say too much <laughs> we're talking about next week we're into our second hour let's just back to back it we'll record an episode about it without playing it and then see how accurate we were afterwards we should do that sometime efficiency trust encouragement reward loyalty satisfaction but yeah i mean i don't know i I haven't even bought it or read a review or anything but i'm still excited (laughs) (laughs) all right cool on that note i'm just gonna pick up with the rhyme of the ancient mariner all right is me reading some more of the poem. I haven't got it in front of me, but I will soon, and I'll carry on reading it. <laughs> no? Brilliant voice. It sounds so West Country. <laughs> What's your pirate voice? You died in my two fucking king of the zombies. Arr, me hearties. Let's sail. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. I got my favourite monkey on my shoulder. It's like, uh, Master Poldark. <laughs> Mistress Poldark. Did you ever watch Poldark? <laughs> no, I actually didn't love it, but that just reminded me of, um... What, were you going to go for, um... You're right, Frodo, coming to Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I sort of was, because is it Bill Bailey who does that, yeah, that yeah, mistake? Yeah. I was going to go Bill Bailey when he says, um... He's talking about Yasser Arafat. I'm in Ramallah. <laughs> and uh, Yasser Arafat, he won't come out of his compound. <laughs> come out, Yasser. He won't come out. Come out, Yasser. Come out, Yasser. I got, got your favourite. I got trifle. <laughs> it's just this really, really strange juxtaposition. But Bill Bailey with his accent. <laughs> Classic. Come out, Yasser. Uh, that's really funny. <laughs>